Um, but we're still in James. Um, and last week we had a bit of a segue because we were talking about um, putting one another first and what does that really mean. Um, and we're, at, we're still in James 4. Um, where the warning is really against worldliness. It starts with a warning against worldliness. And then we were talking about um, why that is the case. And really it boils down to selfishness. Um, so we'll pick it up um, in James 4, um, verse 7. Let's give you a chance to get there. Where it says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Continuing on, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Okay, actually at the end of the class, um, someone had asked me about that, where it says... Um, Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Um, and one of the questions was, well, who is he talking to? Um, and we always need to remember who is the book written to. It's written to the church that's been scattered. Um, and so when he says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, he's talking about the church that's actually engaging in sinful activity. It doesn't mean to unbelievers. It means he's actually, he's still talking to the church who's engaging in sinful activity. Anyway, he says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Practical application in our daily life, because really the Bible is for us not only to know it, because the devil knows it, but for us to apply it, so that we are true to what God requires of us. And submit yourselves there to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. What does that mean in our daily lives? As far as our attitude is concerned, what we do? When it says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. It's like the application. Pardon? Application. Yeah, give me an, an application. Yeah. You think so? So obedience. Obedience. We need to be obedient. But in our attitude, when we are making decisions, whether the small decisions, well, I don't think anything's a small decision, whether it's a small decision or a big decision. Is there any aspect of our life that we're allowed to leave God out of? No, no. How often do we actually think about God when we are living our daily lives? Okay, when we pray, we're thinking about God. When we come to church, we're thinking about God. But in between, how often do we actually think about God and ask for God's guidance in the decision making? Or when something has happened, say, say Oh my goodness, hmm. 
this is God's hand in this, or where is God's hand in this? I, I had two, two recent occasions, well, this week, where I really had to think about that. Because I woke up one morning, um, and the first thing I said to Denise was not, hi, sweetie, or I love you, or how are you doing? But I just said, all things work together for good, for them that love the Lord. Because there were a few things that happened during the week. Um, but we were really wondering, why in the world is this happening? Um, you know, one, <laughs> um, you know, there's an incident with a family member. Um, as far as the installation, my installation this morning, they were vehemently against my son Michael coming over. Um, you know, they're telling Denise, you know, that she shouldn't do it. It was, you know, she forced him to do it. It was unthoughtful. And none of that was the case. But the bit of the history is, this is a family member, a senior family member, who has difficulty with anyone doing something for them. Even if I do something for them, I have to beg them to let me do it. Even though I say, I want to do it. I really want to do it. It's basically giving up, um, I guess, you're giving up a part of yourself. You're allowing someone to do for you. Um, and for some of us, that can be quite difficult because we would rather do for everybody but don't let anyone do for us because it's a matter of pride, I guess. Um, but, you know, it made Denise really concerned. Um, and she was wondering whether she'd actually done the right thing. And I was, because it was weighing heavily, when it worries Denise, then it's worrying me. And it was weighing heavily on me. And I said, you know, I have that same tendency. I'd rather do for people than let someone do for me. But it made me think, you know, I am so blessed when I can do something for someone else. And my sons wanted to be here on this occasion. And if it was left to me, I would let Michael stay and study and prepare for his exams, etc. But I was actually denying him something that he really wanted to do. That would actually uplift him and make him feel better. And it helps develop him in that it will make him less selfish. Because it's quite easy to say, well, I've got my studies, you know, nothing's going to affect that. But he won't even be here for that as support. And one thing I want my children to recognize is not only do we have great Christian benefit, but we have great Christian responsibility. And all of this, it's a part of, it's a part of life. And when I said that, so many things became clear to me. You know, all things work together for good. Even this person's attitude, which I thought was not a good attitude, it, it had an effect on me. It made me realize, you know, Paul, you need to allow people to love you and express their love for you, their appreciation for you. Um, it actually is godly and it's Christ's example. Because you remember, Christ allowed 
his feet to be washed. It was a, it was a, it was, it was an act of worship. It was an act of love. And he said, "Do not deny, because this is what she wants to do. This is what she needs to do. Um, and we need to realize in our lives." Not only do we need to love, but we need to allow people to love. Because if we deny people the opportunity to love, we can become bitter. Um, you can actually cause them to be estranged from you. Because it shows that you really don't appreciate their offering. Um, because I know that's how I feel when I try to express love and it's rejected and Seems it's not appreciated, or it's just plain outright denied. Um, so, in all of the things in life, even if it seems as if it's working against you, God is actually working in your life if you're open to see what He's doing. Because it's also allowed an opportunity for me to speak with this person um, about this whole situation, and hopefully, it'll help them to have a gentler spirit. And the other occasion was a discussion I had with one of my sons because um, actually I'll tell you the whole story. We were entering a competition at the Bahamas National Trust and the requirement was um, they wanted um, bushy samples from Bahamians but they wanted it mixed with either wine, vodka, rum, or I can't remember what the other one was. And well, we're big on bush teas. And we said, you know what, we'd enter. But then I said to Denise, and she agreed with me, I said, we can't enter this. No. You don't drink. As far as we're concerned, we don't think the Bible doesn't preach against the consumption of alcohol. However, it does preach against the consumption of alcohol in excess. But even more so, it tells us that we are our brother's keeper. And we didn't think we could be our brother's keeper if we were going to take part in any sort of competition that where our product is going to actually be used um, what should I say, with our um, encouragement um, in mixing it with alcohol. And the discussion, the argument that my son came up with was, do you believe you should pay taxes? He said, oh, definitely. On what basis? Now, i got to tell you, my son, this particular son, is an intellectual. He loves apologetics. He loves the Lord. But probably just as much as all of that, he loves to trip up his dad. <laughs> um, so, whenever we have these discussions, and sometimes these last until 3 o'clock in the morning, I have to be very careful. So he said, well, if you're an American, and would you pay your tax? Would you pay your, your, your income tax, knowing that it's going to fund abortion? So, I said, okay. He's in his mode again. And I said, yes, I would pay my taxes. Why that? 
Is it on a moral basis? Is it because you feel like I said? Because yes, I have a moral responsibility to pay my taxes. Even though you know you're going to be killing babies. And I said, yes. But you're murdering. I said, Lord, why this morning? Why now? Why do I have to go through this? And I remember all things work together for good. Because this is now a teaching moment. Maybe for me, maybe for my son, maybe for both of us. Um, the discussion has not ended. I know Monday morning we'll be talking about this. I'll be wanting to sleep with my wife. Um, That's why kids only come home for short periods of time. Oh no, he's here for a while. 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 The Bible says, "Render unto Caesar what is Caesar's." And That's right. And when, but, but when we know that Caesar is going to, this is the argument. Now he's teasing me. When we know that Caesar is going to kill people, you're paying Caesar to kill people, to murder people. No, Do we still pay Caesar? So I said, well, if I knew. Caesar has to answer for that. No? Caesar has to answer that. However, I can't escape my responsibility if I know that Caesar says, I want you to pay an abortion tax. Do I pay the tax knowing that the money is actually, this, this bit of money is actually going, I know beforehand it's going to be used for abortion. And there actually a very interesting discussion that's parallel to this is going on right now with James Dobson. Because he has actually sued the US government. Um, because he does not want to be forced under Obamacare to fund abortions. Um, and he has said actually, if that has to happen, he will go to jail rather than do that. Right? And my position is the same. When I pay my taxes to government, and this goes, we aren't really going away from, from James, because further on in James talks about attitude. When I pay my, my um, taxes to any, to any government, like you say, pay unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. Um, but also, we're also supposed to obey the laws, but God's law trumps man's law. So there are times when, and it is biblical, when we may have to disobey the law, that the man instituted law, and pay that consequence to be obedient to God. However, if I pay all my, if I pay my taxes, and it's my income tax, for example, and my income, and from my income tax, I know that you know that's funding roads, that's funding legitimate healthcare, it's funding education, it's funding all sorts of things that I am benefiting from, and the wider community is benefiting from. However, at the same time. There is that portion that is funding abortion. In that situation, either I have to jump off the bandwagon of life and not benefit from all of those things that the God um, instituted government is providing, or I, sorry, and don't take advantage of any of those things, which would be absolutely ridiculous, or I pay my taxes, and however, where I can make the difference, which is when I vote. I vote against the government that does this, or I write letters to indicate I do not agree with this, etc. So I make my voice heard. I indicate how I feel about it. Um, we do have a Christian responsibility to make sure that, not to make sure, 
to um, encourage God's laws to be followed. And governments don't necessarily have to be godly governments, just governments at all. But we use our position of influence to do what we can. And that's how I left it with my son. And I think he's thinking about that and he's simmering about that just to come back to that at some strange angle. But we have a responsibility to be, to be obedient to God, no matter what. No matter what. And that is the attitude that we, that we should have. And we was true, simply because as far as we're concerned, we are our brother's keeper. We do not want to encourage anyone to use Paul or Denise or our business as an excuse to abuse alcohol, to start using alcohol. You never know where it'll go. So, you know, the argument was also made, well, after you submit it, you don't know what's going to happen or why people will do it. Well, one, we do not want all witness to be compromised as a result of that. And we don't want to be the cause, even if unknown, for someone to engage in alcoholism. Or, you know, someone could just, sorry, go ahead. Question, did you share your reasons why? Yes, I, oh yes, I did. Oh yes, I did. Oh yes. Whenever I um, make a decision like that, the people that are affected, I always let them know why. And sometimes they disagree, and if they can give me a good biblical reason why I'm incorrect, I'll back out. But in, until then, I stay with it. The difference there in the analogy of paying taxes is that this is your choice. I mean, as a producer of your own business. Oh yes, I indicated that to Chris also. It's my product. Obligated to do. That is my product. It's my product. But even with the paying the taxes, the only way that I could stop paying the tax is if it was a separate tax. I knew the tax was for abortion, then I need to make the decision whether I will pay that tax or not. Jim Dobson is suing. Jim Dobson is saying, I will not, he won't pay the tax, but I will not obey that law. You know? The Obamacare, I have to obey, except for that one, which goes against, I mean, God's basic law. Thou shalt not kill. Okay. Um, and I really encourage you to follow um, what's happening with James Dobson, because he won his case. An injunction has been um, provided. I mean, the big players in that case are James Dobson um, from the evangelical side and the Roman Catholic Church. And hobby host, hobby, hobbies. That's right, the store. That's right. Um, Because that actually affects their employees, I mean, in a major way. Um, But it really is a strong indicator of where we are in the world and what we need to prevent coming to our country. Just Google James Dobson. Yes, uh, because he has a running commentary on it. Um, but you know, even Roman Catholic Church, um, American Healthcare, anything like that, and you'll you'll see it. You'll see it. And amazingly enough, it's not a huge thing in the news. No. Do you realize that the Pope is more or less siding with the Washington? 
this new pope. Yeah, so he's very liberal. Very, very liberal. He's a very and liberal. And the bishops pope. are fighting him on it. Oh yes, it's unheard of. Oh, I know, and I support his bishops right. because they're they're really um, acting on conscience. Exactly. Right on yeah. conscience, um, but the rulers of this earth are becoming more and more liberal, more and more humanistic, and God is taking a back seat. We need to go to the Bible in that because they said he is socialist, this new world. Yeah, but we you know, <laughs> yeah. And this is where he's getting these ideas from, I guess, I Yeah, but I could argue the whole, the whole socialist um, tenet because <laughs> socialism would really not support that. I mean, true socialism would not support that. Um, but he can't support it from a biblical standpoint, as you say. There's no way in the world that can be supported from a biblical standpoint. Um, however, the Bible is no longer... Uh, let's take our country, for example. We've got a constitution that is supposed to... <coughs> Um, cause our politicians to make decisions based on a on a biblical standpoint. But look at the legislations that are being passed. There's nothing. I mean, communications legislation, um, gaming legislation, all of these sorts of things. Where is the Bible in all of this? Even when the men of God stand up and say, I mean, quite obviously, point to where the Bible is. It's of no consequence. It's absolutely of no consequence. But we, as, but we as God's people need to know what the Bible teaches because the Bible will be manipulated to make it seem as if what they're doing is correct. And unless we're grounded in the Word, we'll swallow it hook, line, and sinker. You know, people, preachers from the pulpit will encourage non-biblical activity. The Bible says it. The wolves will come. They call it progress, they call it civilization, they, all sorts of things, but it's unbiblical. And some things may seem right, but they are sin. And we have to be careful about it. You know? And in James, in James it says right here, um, Right. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. This is what James Dobson is doing. He's submitting himself to God. He's resisting the devil. And the devil comes in so many ways. Now, we need to stay close to God's word. We need to encourage God's people in godly activity. That's reading the word, worshiping together, praying for each other. Um, and never... We should never be embarrassed to be praying for each other or to be associating with each other and encouraging one another. Because when you stop doing that, you stop resisting the devil. It's important. This Sunday school class is important. It's important for us to come together. Going into the sanctuary to hear God's word, that's important. Reading God's word on a regular basis, that's important. Letting one another, letting each other know our needs that's important so that we can pray for each other or warn each other, you know, 
What you think is your need is really a want. Let's talk about that. These things are important. The devil will divide and he will conquer. Now, be aware of what's going on. Please, I beg you, support me as I become a co-pastor. It frightens me at me, the daylight's out of me. But the one thing I do know is, once I stay true to the Lord, He will encourage me, He will protect me, and He will guide me. But I also need God's people. We need to protect one another, because really, we are in the midst of big time spiritual warfare. And James, even back then, realized that they were being persecuted. And that's why he says, don't take anything that he says lightly, because he doesn't use a whole lot of words. He's dwelling on the important. Okay? Um, he says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. He's saying sin is existing in the church. Don't expect the church to be pure when the church is made up of people. However, let that not be an excuse for our own impurity. He's actually telling um, his people what to do. He's saying actively, here's what you do. Purify your heart, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. He's saying those things that you're allowing to happen and you don't pay attention to, you may be laughing at sinful activity. Mourn about that now. I love that. <laughs> Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will exalt you. Humility. Humility has been a there. Oh, yes. Onward, Christian soldiers. Actually, what is the event today? becomes God honoring because at the end of the day all of our activities should be such that our brother is being brought into accordance with God's will so don't say something to make ourselves feel good do something to uplift one another 
So what we say and the way we see it and the way we say it should be done to bring about change in the life of the other person so that they are closer to God. Because as we draw closer to God, we should be drawing one another closer to God. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Um, I'll just go very quickly through this because I'd like to get to 17 as quickly as I can. Um, boasting about tomorrow. Come, at 13, come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend the year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. <coughs> Up to this point, James has indicated all sorts of behaviors that we are to avoid and also that we are to embrace. So at this point, he's saying, well, before 17, let's just take this, this behavior, boasting. You know, quite often you hear about, you know, I'm a self-made man, and this is what I've achieved. Well, there's nothing that we've achieved without permission of God. There's nothing that I have or that you have that God has not allowed you to have. Whether it's money, a particular gift or talent, the family that you have, you really, we really are not in control. God is in control of where we are, what we have, what we are able to do. You know, the fact that some of you all have more hair than me <laughs> has nothing to do with us. <laughs> That's God's, that's God. And the sooner we realize that all that we have really belongs to God, and therefore to God's people, the better life we will actually live. Because, you know, quite often we say, you know, the gifts that we have are for God's people, but everything that we have is for God's people. So, the duty doesn't stop when we come to church and put it in the offering plate. Our very life is to encourage godliness of God's people. So, by giving money, it isn't that easy. We have to invest in each other. That takes time, takes sacrifice, but that's what we're commanded to do. And we can't boast in anything except in the Lord. If I get up and for some reason I'm able to sing beautifully to the surprise of my wife, that's only the Lord. The fact that I married Denise and I'm madly in love with her had nothing to do with me. That's the Lord. The fact that I'm actually brought to Catholic Bible Church, which I am grateful for, that's the Lord's guidance. And that's my willingness to follow the Lord. All of us have choices in what we do. 
Are they God honoring? Are we proud of what we've done with our life? Well, that's false pride. Wherever we are in life, the Lord has brought us here and He will take us further. Now, when we start, actually, very interesting. I went to the gas station yesterday, get a fill up. Really nice attendant. I mean, as soon as he started talking, I started pulling out the dollar tip. And he said, What is your day like? I said, Absolutely fantastic. Really, I'm in top shape. And I asked him, How is this? He says, You know, thank God for life. He said, You realize God doesn't make bad days. He says, Oh, you never heard that one. I'm going to keep that one in mind. I said, I told him as I was leaving, Make sure you don't mess up God's day, okay? He says, well, sir, I can't mess it up. I'm really glad I got a job. And he started listening to all of God's lessons all of a sudden. But we need to boast in the Lord. Because he gives us what we need. When we start going all these funny avenues and doing what we feel like and what we think is right, that's when we run into problems. Be able to boast in the Lord. So that what we've done, we've done to honor him. And we can boast to the Lord because what He has provided, sorry, what has been provided us and what we're taking advantage of is what God has given us. And therefore we can boast in Him. And then He says, So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. This is James pretty much saying, Well, listen, fellas, I've told you what to do. My responsibility is over. You have to obey the Lord. I've told you what the Lord requires of you. Go ahead and do it. He's warned them. He's told them that you're going to face difficulty. But rely upon the Lord. Don't be impartial. Treat everyone the same. Be careful how you you use your tongue. Make sure it's always God-honoring. Be humble. Look out for the other person. All of these things actually... I can't remember them all because my memory is great, but I've got this little commentary that really has a nice summary up to that point. James 4.17 That's right. To attain spiritual maturity, a believer must do the good he now knows. And in James, basically, what I've told you, he must stand confidently on God's word, even in trials and temptations. That's right at the beginning of James. He must compassionately serve his brethren without prejudicial favoritism, but with practical faith. He must speak carefully with a controlled tongue and wise, cultivated thought. He must admit in contrition to his all-powerful father, lawgiver and judge, with a humble spirit, just action, and a trusting heart. And that actually goes back to my personal verse in Micah. He's shown the old man what is good. And what does the Lord require of thee? To act justly, love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. The Old Testament and the New Testament, they do not contradict each other. He must be what God wants him to be. Do God wants him, sorry, do what God wants him to do. Speak as God wants him to speak and sense what God wants him to sense. That's the godly person. 
Because nowadays when you say man, you may figure they are tempted. <coughs> um, so that's the challenge that we, that we have. That's the challenge that James left at the end of um, at, at 4.17, uh, which it actually ends that chapter. Basically, we are challenged to be the godly people that we know God expects us to be. We have no excuse to say, well, I can't do that, or that's for the rest of them. All of these things are for us, and everything should be done as an act of worship to our God, because that's what he expects. Any comments before I close? And, uh, Great job, Oh, the resistance the devil uh, this is the devil and he'll take you. Sometimes you get very and you may think like the last verse of uh, chapter 17 which was saying uh, sometimes you may think that you, you know what you're supposed to be doing but you are uh, you, you 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 know what you're supposed to be doing but uh you may find yourself uh, feeling very uh, tired, tired like that. Mm-hmm. You may, it may seem like, like you may be on the right track, but sometimes on the right track, you get that very on the road, and you may, uh, you may suddenly be, be, be enticing that to, to, you feel like taking a break or something like that. Oh, yeah. And that's, that's, the, that's the humanness in us. But remember, don't just read that. That first day in isolation, it begins with, it doesn't begin with resist the devil. It says, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. It's like that's in a sandwich. The top piece of bread is submit yourselves therefore to God. In the middle is resist the devil, and he will flee from you. But the bottom piece of bread is draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. So you surround yourself with the godly portion, and that devilish portion can't go anywhere. It's stuck in there. But at the very beginning of James, he realizes what you said, right? Remember what he said? He said, those things will come. However, stay faithful to God. Be patient and persevere. Regardless, persevere. What does that sound good? Still stand? Keep on standing. Keep on standing. And don't stand in your own strength. That's why an attitude of prayer is so important. You know, not having a designated time to prayer. But as you go, pray. As you do everything, as you wash your dishes, pray. And like some decisions, uh, sometimes you want tonight, make your own decisions and but for me, I make my own decisions sometimes. I may pray in the, in the morning. So do I. But then when I get to certain levels in my day, I feel I have to handle it. Mm-hmm. It's like I forget that I'm supposed to be with God and, and uh, Him working it out for me and relying on Him. Sometimes mm-hmm. I feel like a burden on me and, and I, have to, uh, I have to handle it. And then sometimes if I handle it good or handle it bad, sometimes God is the last resource. I can identify with that. That's my that's my personality. That's my basic personality. But I've learned over time 
hand it over to the Lord. And even to this day, there are times when I make decisions and I haven't brought it before the Lord. And when that happens, I just go back to God. I said, listen, Lord, I know you weren't in that decision. I did not consult you. Please help me to go forward. I can't change the past. But I can definitely work on the future. And with God's help, I'll become closer and closer to Him as time goes, as time goes on. But don't ever let the devil get you to the point where you feel, you know, you've messed up so much that you can't go forward with God anymore. That is, that is a lie of the devil. I find myself running away from God sometimes, like, like, uh, saying, but God requires too much work, I need a break, yeah. I take up what happened, which would be like a drug. A, a drug, but like a drug. Oh, yeah. Just to escape from the responsibilities that I have to function. And then, sometimes when I do that, the responsibility still is there, but I neglected it. And I find myself now, uh, I pray and I say I'm going to try and work on it bit by bit and try and hang there because sometimes I may escape to both and friends or so mm-hmm. and ignoring what I have to do. Say like uh, chores or something like that. <coughs> and then, That's not peculiar to you, no shadow. That's not peculiar to you. I think everyone in here struggles with distraction. But if you understand where that distraction is coming from, you may have to change your friends or consciously limit the time that you spend with these friends. Oh, it's, it's me. Uh, it's just that I get, I get like if you get worried, it's, it's like I just, I know, I just it got out so much for me to do. I, I try to escape it. I try to uh, say I go talk, but then when I do, when I go back, it's still there. Oh, yeah. And catching up, you know. But I, I try to, I, I read books and I try to say, uh, like Winston Churchill saying, never give up. Okay. So I try to keep myself, okay. no matter how far I allow myself to sink, right. I try to tell myself now and then not to give up, but sometimes voluntary, uh, uh, escape from my responsibilities because sometimes it seems boring and, and it didn't seem like much fun to be. Sometimes it may be boring. Sometimes uh, it may seem dangerous. It seems hard and so yeah. forth. Look at Peter. Peter who denied Jesus. Right? Same. Nice. Okay. Do you think when he denied Jesus, he was thinking about the Lord? No, he's and being close himself. to God? It's no, he's looking after himself. He's trying to protect himself. But he came around and he did great things for the Lord. And that's like me, I come around now and I just... Not just you, that's all of us. <laughs> no, I mean, I say come around and I, I try to like serve the Lord and, and I try and... Because I, 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 was, I was like trying to escape from my responsibilities and mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I start to work on it bit by bit. To don't work, it, to don't work on it alone. It's dangerous to work on it alone. Make sure that you bring it before the Lord. And if the Lord wants to be just to be you and Him, He'll show you that. If He wants, or He will bring people into your life that will be able to assist you. But you just have to be open. That's why I say this, this attitude of prayer is so important. As you're working, you can be praying. As you're driving, you can be praying. So now I always have a, I have a certain time to pray. Now, so once again, I may pray while I do want something. Mm-hmm. But basically, I feel like capable enough to 
I know some decisions on my own. Well, that's dangerous. That's where I say the danger lies. Handling the decisions on your own. Just be, you don't have to be praying out loud all the time to the Lord, you know. You can just be in an attitude of prayer. Like there's a Catholic punk, um, Brother Lawrence, he used to do a lot of work in the kitchen. And he said, as I work, I pray. He never allowed his busyness to get in the way of his prayer life. He could be busy doing stuff, and he could still be praying to the Lord. And it's not saying, Lord, you know, tell me how to wash these dishes. We need to know full God how to wash dishes. He's just saying, Lord, I just want to be obedient to you. Help me memorize scripture. Um, Lord, let my let my um, relationship with whoever's being an annoyance be God honoring to you. Just bring things to him so that as situations arise, you know how to deal with them. And I, I say doing it on your own. You trying to make you independent of God. Until you know, I heard one gentleman say, where man stop, that's where God begins. But uh, but then when you make your own decisions, you become like independent of God and you think that it's you doing it and God is just that's there a real when, you get in, when you get in a big mess. That's a real danger because you lose that humility um, when you start relying on yourself. And as Christians, really, we should be relying on God for everything and being thankful for whatever we receive. Now, in this day and age, you know, that's something that's really hard to swallow. You know, to be thankful for whatever you receive, my goodness, I'm supposed to be blessed with the entire world because, you know, whatever I can think of, I should be able to acquire. That isn't necessarily what God desires for us. Yeah. But um, where you are in your life is no different from any other human being. It's just a matter of the Lord has told us what to do, to be in constant communication with Him. And He will guide us and direct us. When we stop being in communication, that's where we sin, that's where we run ourselves up on breaks. And I'll make God like a stranger too, because you have not been communion with him all the time. So it's just like a friend you haven't seen for a while. Right. You know, and you have yeah. That's right. Talking with that I see friend. what you're saying. Okay, I follow you. Yeah. Okay. Good. Any last comments for for our edification? Well I just close in a word of prayer. Oh sorry. You're supposed to pray without ceasing. That's right. Exactly. And pray without ceasing doesn't mean a dedicated time okay. prayer. As you're doing things, you're praying. I can tell you, that has kept me in so many ways. And that, that particular verse has really protected me. Okay, let's just close in the word of prayer. Well, Father, we, we thank you for your word, which is timeless and always relevant. And Father, we just pray that we would hide it in our hearts so that we would not sin against you. We thank you for everyone on here in the Sunday school class. That we just pray that we would be an encouragement and a support to one another as we are obedient to you and as we glorify you in our lives. Father, we thank you for this time that we've had together. Just know that you are uh, continue to be among us. 
greater than Sweden Park. You would bless each and every one of us, watch over, protect, guide, and keep us. May we always be drawn ever closer to you. We pray that as we go into the sanctuary or wherever we go, you need to for safety. But um, we pray that our prayer life would be in accordance with your will. We pray for the service this morning. So Father, we just pray that you would be glorified. We pray that you would work in all of the men being installed and the existing leadership. We pray that you would be glorified. We would be sensitive to your leading. Lord and Father, we just thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit that dwells in and among us, protects us, guides us, provides us with safety and direction. We just glorify you, Lord. We give you your obedience. Only you are worthy. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.